Friday, August the 9th. Feeling much better today. After like a still still got the little little bit of a scratch in the throat, but after like a week or so, week and a half of not feeling that great, feeling a little bit better. Got a little little bit of a bounce in my step for the weekend. Hope everyone's having a, a nice Friday, August the 9th. On this episode of That's What G Said Podcast, we're going to talk a little horse racing, give you a couple plays for Saturday, August the 10th, have uh, a horse I like at Arlington, a couple over at, uh, one over at Colonial, and we'll talk a few at Del Mar, so some Colonial, some Arlington, some Del Mar in the horse racing segment, and then a really awesome interview with Chad Cooper from The Examiner and from Flag Sports. Chad is a good friend of mine, and he lives over in Texas, and he's a big, big fan, and more than a fan, he knows the Houston sports teams as well as anyone. So we talk about the Houston Astros leading into the playoffs, we talk about the Houston Texans, and we preview their season, we go through their schedule, we talk about wrestling, because Chad's a big wrestling fan also. We talk about Joey Ryan, All Elite Wrestling, and then a full preview for SummerSlam. Match by match, we go through the entire card. And then, to close things out, don't act like you weren't listening and watching the other night. Little Beverly Hills 90210 recap. So let's get right into this episode. The little on this day, about 1905, Ty Cobb's mother mistakes her husband for a burglar and kills him. Crazy, crazy story. 1925, the only time Babe Ruth was ever pinch hit for. Bobby Veach pinch hit for Babe Ruth, and he flied out. 1936, Jesse Owens, part of the American 4x100 meter relay team that wins the gold in the world record at the Berlin Olympics. That was his fourth gold medal of the 1936 Olympic Games. 1946, it was the first time... All the Major League Baseball games were played at night. There were eight night games played for the first time. August the 9th, 2000, uh, 2000, August the 9th, 1946. 1971, Satchel Paige was inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame. 1975, it was the first NFL game in the Louisiana Superdome. Houston beat the Saints 13-7. 1988. The Cubs beat the Mets 6-4 in their first official night game at Wrigley Field. And also on that very same day, the Edmonton Oilers traded Wayne Gretzky, the great one, to the Kings. Los Angeles Kings. 2002, Giants outfielder Barry Bonds hit career home run number 600. 2012, Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt wins the 200 meter at the London Olympics. To become the first to win the 100 and 200 meter double in back-to-back Olympics. And in 2016, Michael Phelps wins the the men's 200 meter butterfly gold medal at the Rio Olympics. And Katie Ledecky won her second gold of the Rio Olympics in the 200 meter freestyle. On this day, major events 
on August 9th through the years. Okay, let's get into a little horse racing. And let's start out. It is Arlington Million Weekend. So let's start out with a little Arlington. Really, I think it's going to be a very, very chalky Arlington Million Weekend and as far as Saturday and the big races are concerned. But of all of those races, there's one price horse that I like. I mean, if you we start in the ninth race with the Beverly D, I, I don't really know how they're going to beat Sister Charlie. She was very good making her... This is the Breeders' Cup Philly Amer Turf winner from last year. She was awesome making her debut of 2019 when she won the Diana. She is close to being undefeated in her starts in the U.S. since coming over after racing in France. And she's just one of the best mares out there in training. There are some legitimate grass horses running this weekend. For the complaining and for all the... The buzz out there about how, you know, there's not a lot of depth in the older male division. There's not a lot of depth maybe in the three-year-old division. The three-year-old fillies don't look that strong. Well, the turf horses are very, very good. The older and both. the When you have a horse like Sister Charlie and a horse like Bricks and Mortar, who are the leaders of those divisions, those are really, really good animals who are just in great form right now. I'm not going to, what I call these races at Arlington this weekend, these are more watch races for me because I'm going to, I'm interested in the races, right? You have to be interested in races like this. If you're an everyday horse player, or if you're someone who's going to play, you know, the Breeders' Cup or big stakes races, because you want to see how these horses perform at the top level. But I just don't, I don't see anyone in the ninth, the Beverly D that will be able to compete with Sister Charlie. So for me, that that's just the seven in race number nine. We move to the tenth. This is the Secretariat, and this is the one race where I think you might be able to find a little bit of a price here. I'm going to include the five Rise the Guy in all of the exotics, and I might play a little win wager on Rise the Guy if he is double digits, if he's 10 to 1 or over. I've followed his career from very early on, and he's been very good. He's shown ability, but he's been kind of his own worst enemy. He's broke slow, and he's been a little green. He's had to figure things out. But if you look at his last two starts, and I think really the key is going long, he's been able to settle, relax. I loved his last effort. He worked out a really nice trip, saving ground on the inside, saved all the ground, and it was a very, very impressive performance. And what was great about that, that was against older horses. So he's faced and defeated older horses in his last few starts, and now he's back in with three-year-olds today. And when you have a long shot in a, in a race like this, you want the horse to at least have the kind of style to give you a run for your money. And I think Rise the Guy, going longer, has a little bit of tactical speed where he can place himself maybe anywhere in the race based on what the, the, the pace of the race looks like early on. I think he, they have some options with him. Really big fan of the conditioner, Ian Wilkes. Let's give Rise the guy in race number 10 at Arlington. The number five, our big look for the Arlington races. That's the only price that I could find that I think was worthy of, uh, of making a play. So let's put a few bucks on Rise the guy or make sure to throw him and include him in some of your late exotics if you're playing those late pick fives and late pick fours. In the Arlington Million, you just look at bricks and mortar and, uh, and how good this animal has been 
He has had an incredible 2019 so far, winning three grade ones, including the Pegasus World Cup turf. He's defeated everyone in uh, in his sight, and he just continues to get better and better and better. In I, I just don't see how he gets beat in here when his maybe toughest competition is going to come from a stablemate. Robert Bruce, who he handled pretty easily last time out, and that's last year's Arlington Minor, uh, Million winner, Robert Bruce. So, uh, bricks and mortar going to be very, very tough. I'm not going to try to get cute and and beat some of these horses who I think are really, really good. So the only play at Arlington. Let's give a look to Rye. Rye's the guy in race number ten, the number five out at Arlington. Let's get to Colonial. And at Colonial, just have one play for you. It's going to be in race number six. So we're going Saturday, Colonial Downs, race number six. It is a first level allowance, a mile and three sixteenths on the turf course. And let's go to the one, Croquet Monsieur. He was a step slow. He settled nicely in that fifth, sixth spot. He was about six lengths off the pace. He was in the two path. He tried to angle in. He waited, he angled out Took a little bit to get going It was his first start since October 27th And I think now with that race under his belt About a month to recover Takes a little step forward today Able to save all the ground from the inside Croquet Monsieur Anything over 9-2 to Let's make a win wager on the one Croquet Monsieur That's race number 6 at Colonial Downs On Saturday So just one for you at Colonial one for you at Arlington and at Del Mar. Let's get to a couple. I, I didn't love anyone at Del Mar, but I think there are a few races I wanted to kind of me- mention and go through, and maybe you can use and include some of these horses in your exotics, however you're playing them. Let's get to race number five at Del Mar on Saturday. Optional 62, non-two mile on the turf course. I think starting block, the number three, is very well spotted in here. It, the problem with him, he's a stone cold closer, and he just he just needs the the type of race and the type of setup in order to win. If he gets it, if they go quick enough, he'll come closing and he'll have a big chance to win the race. And he's even better at a mile than he is going longer because what ends up happening is at the mile he really comes rolling late. I think he flattens out a little bit more when they go a little longer, but really nice nice late turn of foot. For starting block at the mile distance With Mr. Rory down to the inside Who used to have a little more speed and he's fresh You know Dr. Troutman's going to be showing Some speed and you have dreams of Valor who's going to go Stretching out from five furlongs back to A mile where he's always showed speed going long So you have a couple speed Horses that will set it up nicely For the late run for starting Block and then you look to a horse like Andesh who might need a race because he hasn't seen, we have not seen him since November. First time gelding now. He probably needs a race for his best. The same could be said for a horse like my Italian Babo, who has not raced since October of 2017. And then you have Acker, who's drawn to the outside. He could get hooked a little wide. So that's why I think starting block has a really big shot in here. When you look at everyone else in this race and the way it's going to set up. A couple speeds to give him an opportunity to make that late rally. And then some of his other major uh, contenders, I think they are compromised a little bit. And Desh might need a race. And Acker 
with the outside draw could get hooked a little bit wide. Let's give starting block a big look. Anything around, you know, four to one or so we'll, we'll take on starting block, the number three in race number five on Saturday at Del Mar. Let's get to race number six, Del Mar, on Saturday. And let's go to the number four, Square Peggy. There just isn't a ton of speed in here. You look through the field, you know, the one from the rail might be flashing a little speed. The two, Money in the Stars, has a little bit of speed. There's just not really anyone who who has to go. And I think Square Peggy has more speed than she's shown in her last few. She's getting some class relief. She gets off the rail where she just, when you have that rail draw, especially against a, a tougher group, if you don't break alertly going five on the grass, then you get caught in the middle and you're in, you're in no man's land and you're in between. And that's kind of what happened with Square Peggy last time out. So I think with her speed, she's going to be tough to leave out of the exotics. Make sure to include her in any of your exotics. Anything around 7-2 to two worthy of a win wager there on Square Peggy, who may try to steal that sixth race on Saturday at Del Mar. In race number 8, it is the grade 2 best pal. And I, we have some nice... Nice two-year-olds lining up in here. There are two in particular that I'm going to key in on and focus in on in some of the the exotics. And I'm just going to be inside, outside. Wrecking Crew. He was pretty impressive winning his debut. Mainly just because when you have trouble first time out as a two-year-old, very rarely do you win. It wasn't a ton of trouble, but he broke slowly and he showed that he's not just a speed demon horse, which we get a lot of these early precocious two-year-olds and it's just because they're quick. That's not the case with Wrecking Crew. He showed he can come, he can sit, he can angle out and he can come from off the pace. Now my major issue with him is the rail draw. Will he be able to work out a trip from the rail? Can he take back and go around or will he try to show a little more speed to maybe use some tactical speed and get out in a nice position? I'll trust Mike Smith. And then to the outside, four left who was very, very impressive in both starts, in particular because the debut win, he beat what has been a very nice group so far. You see Raging Whiskey came back to win and then went over and finished third in the Sanford, and then Phantom Boss is also a graded stakes winner out of that grade three winner. So four left has defeated some nice ones. With the outside draw, he may be able to... He he won't have to be gunned as much with his speed. He'll be able to kind of use that speed... Hopefully cross over and, and not have to be just Sent really hard from the inside So I'm going to go 1-7 Wrecking Crew and 4 left I think those are the two to use in some of your late exotics In that 8th race there 4 left will likely get bet a little bit more But Wrecking Crew is impressive You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he takes a lot of money Schrodinger is the horse we'll, I guess we're trying to beat You can't use all the short priced horses So I prefer Wrecking Crew and 4 left To Schrodinger To close things out The ninth race at Del Mar I was expecting A really big effort from the number 5 Miss Hot Legs in her last start on July the 17th And she was a little flat If you notice and you look at her pattern In her debut race she was pretty good She was just Second best that day She came back and she looked Like a million bucks when she won And she broke her maiden at Santa Anita on June the 9th And she showed speed that day I don't really think she needs the lead though I think she's okay sitting just off We'll be curious to see if they try to get a little more aggressive And put her right on the lead Or they're content with 
sitting off again. But I, I'm going to give a big shot to Miss Hot Legs. I expect her to bounce back. I mean, she, she wasn't bad when she was third, but she did kind of loom up and looked like she had every chance, and she just didn't really have any punch late. I think she'll have a, a little bit better effort today in race number, or today on Saturday in race number nine at Del Mar. That is the number five, Miss Hot Legs. Okay, some plays for you for the weekend. Arlington, Colonial, and Del Mar. Best of luck. Hopefully everyone can make a few bucks. I actually had a nice message come in. I wanted to give them a a shout-out. I got a message on Facebook from a couple people who listened to the podcast, and uh, they made a few bucks on some of the plays over at Colonial. Mock Tree, in particular, was the horse that, uh, that won that ended up Doing well, and I got a message which I thought was really, really nice from a few folks that said, Gino, you helped us make some money. We want to send you a check. I said, No, don't worry about that. But what I will ask you, in lieu of sending a check, send a send a post out and let all your friends know about the show. That's what G said. Tell all your friends that like horse racing or or sports, or if they like the show Orange is the New Black, let them know about the recap. Just let them know about our show. That's that's what I will ask if you can 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 send that out. So never never have to send anything because I I hope that when you when I when I'm giving you losers, you're not going to charge me right for that. So uh, appreciate hearing from all of you out there the positives and the negatives and. That was a nice, uh, a nice message from Chrissy Doyle. Nice to hear from Chrissy Doyle and Ray. They did well. Okay, coming up next is going to be an interview with Chad Cooper. But before we get to the interview with Chad Cooper, I wanted to let you know a little bit about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava. CindyCarava.com. Is the website where you can find all of her information She is a full service realtor Very good friend of mine I've known Cindy for a while And she honestly She's just a great person And that's why I wanted to work with her Because I trust her And I know that she will do everything she can for you And we're a really good fit Because on this show That's what G said Talk about all different sports Gambling, uh, pop culture History, movies, TV and it doesn't matter if you're someone who's interested in just the movies or just the the horse racing or just the the pop culture, or just the sports. We all are going to need help when we when we look for a home and when we're trying to find a home or if we want to sell our home or if we want to upgrade, we're all going to need help with that. And Cindy Carava is the perfect person for you. Get to cindycarava.com. Send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com If you have any questions, she can help you with everything I just posted a video on my social medias You can take a look at Cindy And you can see uh, you can see a little bit about her And hear, her, hear some things from her own voice And from her own words And can't say enough what a great job she did I actually went over to her office in Glendora yesterday And I got to see her and working and talking with some of her clients Before we, we uh, filmed the video So really, really appreciate all the support that Cindy has given That's what G said podcast So let's go give her all that support If you have any questions Or if you're thinking about selling your home Or upgrading your home Or maybe looking for a new one Shoot her a message and she will help you out CindyCarava.com 
Com. Chad Cooper coming up. Oh, this is a fun interview with Chad. We hit on so many different topics. So if you're a baseball fan, we're going to talk Astros. If you're a football fan, we're going to talk Texans. If you're a wrestling fan, we're going to talk Joey Ryan. We're going to talk All Elite Wrestling. And we're going to talk a SummerSlam full preview. He even gives out a best bet for week one of the NFL season. Great, great interview coming up with Chad Cooper. Really excited about our next guest. A good friend of mine. I, I met Chad through uh, some of my trips down to Vinton, Louisiana. One of my favorite trips ever when I was working at TVG was going down to Delta Downs for the jackpot. And when I met Chad Cooper, who's going to be joining us in just a second, we realized very early on, not only do we have horse racing in common, but we're also big wrestling fans, really just sports fans in general. The interview I'm about to have with Chad is going to be awesome because I'm there aren't many people that I can literally talk about any sport subject pop culture with this Chad Cooper. So I'm going to welcome him in now. My good friend, the better looking brother of Bradley Cooper. His name is Chad Cooper. Chad, buddy, what's going down? A proper introduction. Thank you, Gino, very much. Glad to be with you. So before we get into the Texans, what uh, tell us a little about what you're doing nowadays. What uh, Where are you working and uh, what kind of stuff have you been working on? Here in Beaumont, Texas, which uh, is about an hour east of Houston, still the sports and entertainment editor at the Examiner newspaper, been here about 17 years, but doing a lot of other stuff, a lot of photography, picked that up over the last year or two. Um, also doing some freelance writing for flagsports.com, a, a new website that's uh, culture, sports, movies, and all kind of other viral good stuff. Uh, just a lot of irons in the fire. That's 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 the way I like doing it too, and that, that, I think that's why we we got along so well because that's that's fun. Like when you have a bunch of different interests, you want to be able to to get involved in all of those. And I see is you, you're writing, you're photographing now. Before we get into anything else, though, I, we were gonna save the wrestling talk for the end, but I think we have to talk about this before anything. You've been a part of this huge viral video with Joey Ryan. Um, tell us a little bit about. The match in particular, and how big this video has gotten o- over the last week. Yeah, it's been unreal. I mean, it's just uh, notifications still blow up on every <laughs> social media app. It's just, you know, my phone battery's going dead all the time. <laughs> uh, long story short, uh, here in Southeast Texas, we have a an indie promotion called Hurricane Pro Wrestling. They've been they've been around 16, 17 years now, and. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually at the end of July, they decided to do an all-women's card. And uh, and they brought in a bunch of big names. Uh, of course, HBW has a, a women's champion, Miranda Alizé. She was uh, in the May Young Classic a couple of years ago. Anyway, so he thought, okay, if it's an all-women's card, i got to bring in Joey Ryan. Sure. So they brought in Joey Ryan, this internet pay-per-view with Title Match Wrestling Network with uh, Tilly uh, Vistas. Uh, and then Matt Topolsky on the call. Well, the match, you know, took place July 27th. Uh, Title Match Network uh, uploaded it, put it on their YouTube the following Monday. And Miranda Alizé and Joey Ryan worked a, a fantastic match. Joey Ryan, I've never seen a match where he he's not fantastic, so entertaining. And it literally, I think he posted it at like 8 a.m., last monday and then within a couple of hours it was at hundreds of thousands and then 
that night it was already at four, five, four or five million. And as of now, it's 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 close to 50 million views in, in right over a week and a half. It's just unreal, unreal. Well, Joey is so great because Joey understands that he has a niche and he has he's different and he runs with it. And that's what's yes. so great about I had the privilege of um Calling a couple of being the ring announcer at a couple events that Joey was working here in Southern California and then one in uh, in Vegas and he is is so great I, I remember talking with him a little bit before I was doing uh, the announcing and he said okay hey are you okay with me like pushing you around a little bit you know and then and making you part of the angle I said sir I have been waiting for nothing more my entire life if you need to pile drive me throw me do whatever you want to do you know and and so it was uh, it was a lot of fun getting to see Joey and what's great with Joey is. Um, he is a big star that has had options now. Sure, and he had the opportunity to go to WWE. We've seen him in TNA. We've he had the opportunity to go to All Elite Wrestling. But what's great about Joey is he knows that he has fun working on the independents. He knows he's a big draw there, and so he he's kind of said, you know what, I'm okay with being a big fish in a little pond instead of vice versa. And I and it's really worked for him. Yeah, this is a guy with a fantastic gimmick. Um works pretty much any night of the week he wants to you know anywhere anywhere and then has his own he has bar wrestling once or twice a month which is amazing in itself over in in southern california um he's so good so entertaining and miranda alizé was so good and then matt topolsky on the call it just made sense Uh, you know joey's got a couple of viral videos out there but i don't think anything uh, no one expected this, and it's just been—it's been fun. It's been a fun ride for sure. Yeah, and and we'll get back to more wrestling uh, at the end of the interview. But if you have never checked out Joey Ryan, give him a look. If you're a wrestling <laughs> fan, even if you're not, he just plays this great gimmick. It's like a like a porn star creeper. He's he's always been. He's got the lo- the lollipop. I, one time, I I took a lick of the lollipop at one of the shows. It's just he, he's awesome. great. He he makes you have a lot of fun, uh, and and that's what wrestling's all about. I think sometimes we get caught up in into you know how great this match was, or yes, we and we love and and I love a, a great match just like anyone. And, you know, I want to see a nice five star match, but I want my emotions to be hit, whether they be laughing, crying, happy, sad, excited, whatever. It and Joey always. Seems to do that. He has. He does a great job of, of uh, making you feel something. So, I, I had to uh, had to talk to you about that awesome video oh, that's yeah. going oh, around yeah. like crazy. But we did get some big news in the world of the Houston Texans because as I was doing a, a Houston Texans team preview to talk with you about the Texans, one of the big questions that I was going to have was, what is the backfield going to look like now? They just cut Deontay Foreman. We know that Lamar Miller is one of the more consistent, steady backs in the league. You kind of know what you're going to get from him. But after Lamar, it looked like there were maybe four or five young guys in there that will kind of be battling. There wasn't a lot of kind of direction in the depth. And now a big trade came through today. And I think this trade for the Texans, Chad, could be a really big compliment to their backfield. And this could really help out not only Miller, but obviously Watson. Yeah, this was a surprising move here. Not that we didn't think the Texans were going to make a move, but Duke Johnson is, is no slouch. I mean, he's this a, guy, yeah. uh, he's a stud. I mean, uh, you look at his numbers, uh, you know, 1,200 rushing yards, 2,100 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. You know, he, he, he did his job uh, for Cleveland last year. And Lamar Miller, what's interesting about him is he's in the final year of a contract. And 
sometimes we know how things go and sometimes we don't know. Uh, you see it in baseball, you see sure. it in basketball, football, especially with the last year. And in football, you never know. Is the guy playing for a new contract? Contract is he playing? Uh, he, you know, but the problem with with Houston uh, pro sports in general is is a lot of injuries have, have have. It seems like this town in professional sports cannot get over that big injury hump. We saw it with Watson, you know, the Rockets, Foreman, the Rockets, the Astros. This year have been you know pretty much they've just now got their lineup intact, but. Can Lamar Miller be that guy that's going to carry the ball 20, 25 times a game? No, probably not. And I think Duke Johnson, it's not only going to compliment him well, I think it's going to give them another weapon. And as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson needs it now. Um, with a good year that they had last year, winning 10 games in a row after that awful start, and now you got a guy that's proven, that can go, he's durable. I think this is a big-time pickup for the Texans. Yeah, because l- last year – one of the big issues for the Texans is was the offensive line, and they led the league in sacks allowed. And and not only just sacks allowed, we just saw Watson getting hit hard sure. a lot, and and it makes you uncomfortable when you see your your franchise player getting hit like that so much. And in this league now, it's with the model of Tom Brady doing it the last five ten years in particular. It's going to be so much nicer for Watson to be able to just dink and dunk a little bit, get the ball out of his hands quickly. Anytime there's, you know, there's a sack on, he's going to have a nice little safety blanket there with Duke Johnson. This is going to be a, a big help because and this will kind of we'll piggyback this question with the offensive line. So in in that together, how do you think this offensive line is this year? Is it going to be improved at all? And and have they done enough there to help Deshaun? I don't think it can get any worse than it did uh, sure. last year. Uh, so they have to be somewhat improved. They made some moves. They got, you know, they, they they've got a couple of nice draft picks. They loaded up in there. But you you hit it perfectly. This is a guy they don't want Deshaun Watson in that pocket, running around, having an opportunity to get sacked. Of course, he's going to make a lot of plays with his feet. He's going to make a lot of guys miss with his feet. But he has that outlet now for Duke Johnson. So I think it's going to give him an option to not hold that ball as long as what he was holding. And I know they were working on Deshaun in the offseason of getting rid of that ball faster. They don't have the the greatest deep, that deep threat um, on the Texans uh, receiver roster. So, you know, get that ball out quicker. You know, I think the line's going to be improved, but you know what? They've got to keep Deshaun Watson healthy. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's J.J. Watts. You know, he's got to be healthy. And if you look at this schedule, you know, you talk about a nightmare start. Oh, it's brutal. Year. This schedule is brutal. At New Orleans, uh, then you home against Jacksonville, which I I, I have a pick of the week already for uh, week one, and I'll give it to you in just a second. It includes Jacksonville. They're at the Chargers, Carolina, at Kansas City, and at Indy. Are and you then, kidding me? And then later in the year, they got to play New England, and they got to go at Baltimore, too, yes. after traveling to London. And, yes. then, and they got to travel to London. So – this is a you're right. This is a brutal schedule for a team that was 11 and 5 last year. They were your 2018 AFC South winner, but the the real key is if they can just kind of hover around 500 early yes. on, that then that should help them towards the back end of their schedule because there are there are some very good players especially at the skill positions for this Houston Texans team. I mean, when you start with uh, if you're making a list of the best wide receivers in the league, I think any list of three to five is going to have DeAndre Hopkins on it. He's sure. become just an absolute stud. And the one 
player I was reading a lot about, Chad. You mentioned the injuries last year. Well, from the wide receivers alone, they had Will Fuller with an ACL tear, and then Kiki Cutie, who's just started to to break out and just started to become like a real fantasy relevant player, and then he got hurt. And I've been reading that there's a lot of buzz about Kiki QT early on in spring in the spring camp and that he has improved and it seems like he might be ready to take that next step. Yeah, and that's what they're hoping. Um, you know, we know about Hopkins. Uh, we know he's the number one guy. But if, if, if Kiki can stay healthy, which, you know, that's a big if, um, he's got speed uh, and he's got hands and he can make plays. He, you know, he's not your big 6'6 guy that's you know going to fight off receivers. But if you can get him in those short routes, get the ball in his hands on these slants, these quick outs, uh, maybe a dunk here or there, that guy, you know, does have speed to get going. He had a great college uh, career, and I think his time to shine, I think he's going to get that opportunity. Now, on the defensive side, especially in the defensive front, this is a, a squad that's always very good when you have J.J. Watt and and Clowney up front and Merciless. And then you, you look at, at last year, Chad, even even in a year where uh, their defense overall wasn't quite as good, they still were the first in DVOA in rushing defense. They were they struggled a little bit was in the against the pass. Do you think that this this team has improved at all in their like, defensive secondary, where they were 19th in DVOA last year and they were seventh overall in defense? Have they made any improvements on the back end of that defense to help the front end? I, I don't think so. I, you know, they have some guys coming in. They have some young guys that they're going to look at. Um, and it all, you know, Clowney, is he is he going to come out? Um, is he, you know, that's another one that's, you know, disputing contract situations, wanting more money. You know, you, you saw a glimpse of greatness with Clowney. Um, you know, J.J. coming off that back injury, that surgery that cost him uh, most of 17. You know, can Clowney be active consistently uh, and not take plays off. That was the thing that they, they had a problem with him. You know, it seemed like he would take a play too off, but it seemed like the secondary, you know, got them in trouble several times last year. They, you get a third, the defense did their job, third and eight, third and seven, third yes. and nine, and, and, you know, and just give up, you know, a, a nine or 10 yard little pass or, or an ill-advised, you know, pass interference, a holding call, it definitely has to improve. I don't think they did a whole lot this year with that, so they could be suspect once again. That could possibly be their weakness. Well, the the over-under that I've been seeing set is like eight, eight and a half or so for their wins total. And you mentioned it's not that this team isn't good and, and can't win games. It's that that's a, it's a really tough schedule. You know, it really is. And, I mean, if I had to pick one game that I to start – in week one that I would not want, it would be at New Orleans on Monday night football with the way that that fan base (laughs) and their crowd has been eliminated the last couple years on an opening night when they're going to be the only game on at that time, that crowd is going to be absolutely rocking. I mean, trying to call a play is going to be really, really difficult for Watson in that offense. Especially how the Saints ended their season at home against the Rams, you know, in, in the Superdome, they'll be riled, riled up and ready to go. Uh, I, I tell you what, if if you you know, New Orleans lost the first game of the season last year, they were yeah. on the road, I do believe, at Tampa Bay. In Tampa, yeah. You know, this is you know a different situation, but you know the good thing you do, you, you know, 
hopefully, fingers crossed, you go into that game with with no major preseason injuries, and it looks like not a lot of these guys are going to be playing a whole lot of the preseason anyway. You know, if they can weather that early storm and not get behind 10 to nothing, it breathes, it's throwing that ball around all over the field, maybe they'll have a shot. But I tell you what, if they lose that game, they have a shot starting the season one and five, one and six. And yeah. the way the Colts have improved and the way Jacksonville has improved, now they have a quarterback to go along with a, a pretty good defense in that division. Even last the, year when it felt like they weren't as good, their defense was still top six, top seven. Sure, sure. And, and Houston is, uh, they've, they haven't had a, a lot of issues with Jacksonville, but I no. think Jacksonville this year, they've got a new quarterback, so, some better players, a good defense. I, you know, Houston, you know, I hear a lot of talk. There's a lot of people picking them eight and eight at best, nine and seven. And that's not a, you know, for Bill O'Brien, who's a very, not a very popular guy because he's boring, he's brash, and, you know, he's this and that, says the same thing after every, you know, post, uh, you know, post uh, game press conference. Eight and eight, nine and seven is not going to cut it because O'Brien got his wish. They got rid of the general manager. It's O'Brien's show. So it's, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven is not going to cut it. But I would be, I would be shocked if it was anything better than than a nine game win season. The other teams in that division would definitely have to tank. Yeah, that's that's what's a little bit um, in maybe the last two three years. The division hasn't been very strong. It's been a no. wide open division for the taking. This year, it really feels like the whole division has kind of improved, while Houston has maybe kind of stood pat. And so it's not even that you're getting worse. It's just kind of the teams around you seem like they're getting better. Yeah, in Tennessee, you know, uh, yeah. Mariota, that, that, he can play. I mean, he's still young. So uh, that division is, uh, you know, the Texans are is no longer the betting favorite. I, I think uh, Indianapolis now, I, yeah. think I looked at the lines there, it was like minus 150, minus 160, and some change to chalk to win that division. You know, uh, if Love stays saw, healthy, saw, they're, they're just going to be good. I saw a te- um, uh, uh, will the Texans make the playoffs? No, minus one sixty-five. Yes, plus one thirty-five. You know, there you so, go. I mean, so all the yeah, all the talk is eight and eight. Vegas, yep. not, you know, that eight game is. Uh, I, I would definitely stay away from o- over under. I would put it on the under. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they I just don't see them reeling off ten straight wins again this season. Just don't see them doing it. Not an easy schedule for the Houston Texans. I, I don't know if the schedule really matters anymore for the Astros, but they have just <laughs> dusted, dusted some bad baseball teams. They've gone 18 and five in their last 23. They've gone nine and one in their last 10. The Astros have won six in a row. They, and now after that good streak, they're 75 and 40 and they have the best record in the American league. But now coming up, Chad, they've got three games against the Orioles, three against <laughs> the White Sox, four against Oakland, who's a pretty good team. And then four sure. more with Detroit. So, we're going to see 10 of the next 14 games against really bad teams that they could even beat up on more. I don't, I look at this Astros team and I, and you kind of mentioned uh, just a, a little earlier. I feel like the, their biggest weakness was just injury and staying healthy. And right now they look to be pretty darn close to healthy. And when you look at a batting order that has Springer, with 25 home runs, Altuve, who struggled at the beginning of the year, and now he's back up to 300 with 19 jacks. Brantley, who's hitting 322. Bregman's got 27 home runs. Correa, like under the radar, quietly hitting 295 back from injury. How about Yuli Gurriel, who's got 80 RBIs, and he's hitting just under 300. And then Jordan Alvarez, we don't have to talk about him as a former Dodger, <laughs> 348. He comes out of nowhere. He's got 14 home runs and 158 ABs. Like, where... 
is their weak spot offensively. You know, Do they have one? You know, it, it's scary that they finally, you know, that's, you know, Altuve was, was plagued with a knee injury last year, especially at the end of it. And it looked like at the beginning of the season, he was struggling. You know, he was hovering around 250. He looked like Altuve from 2000, you know, 16, um, just swinging at balls. He started getting healthy. They got him right. You know, Correa, this guy's getting hurt on massage tables. So we, so we, so they say, who knows? He's starting to come come around. Yuli is is just having another career year, you know, for the Astros. What he's done over the last month um, has been insane. You know, to, you know, last night, you know, this Colorado Rockies series, this guy was setting major league uh, baseball records for RBIs in a game, franchise records for RBIs in a game. You know, Brantley is is probably one of the better pickups of the year for the Astros. This guy, not that he wasn't good, but you put him in a lineup where you can't pitch around anybody, and oh man, Brantley is just on another level this year. It's it's scary when you when you look at this Houston Astros lineup, and I, I guess we could say maybe the catcher spot sure. is, pro- is is probably the only real weak spot in the lineup with maybe Chirinos or Maldonado or you know. But the, the the problem is is you if you're the Yankees or you're the the Twins or you're you know the Indians or a team that might make the playoffs and have to face the Astros in a series, you're looking at this team. And you're going, oh, okay, so they're top five in runs and home runs and average and on base percentage. That must mean that their pitching staff isn't very good, right? <laughs> they've got the they've got this incredible offense, but no, they are third in the American League in a, in, in ERA. And they are first in the American League in batting average against. And they have now a three-headed monster at the top of the rotation after making that trade for Granky, where you have Verlander, Cole, and Granky. And I mean, I guess if we're gonna nitpick a little bit, the only thing that we can say about any of them in Verlander and Cole is that they've allowed some home runs this year. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, and that maybe in, in a big series and in a big moment, maybe a, a, a big home run could be the damage, but as a Dodger fan, I, I thought that the Dodgers pitching staff was was the best in the league. And now after this trade, I have to <laughs> defer to the Astros because they have three legitimate aces. And hey, let's not forget like Wade Miley's having a really good year. You know, like a really good year. You just picked up Aaron Sanchez, who could be a, a very nice bridge if you need like a long out of the bullpen or someone to give you good bullpen innings. This is a team that's really deep now with their starting rotation. Yeah, Verlander, you know, signed the big contract extension. It was probably it's going to be him or Garrett Cole. You know, they could, they could not sign both of them. And in, in all likelihood, Garrett Cole is going to command upwards to two hundred million next year because yeah. he, you know, he's more than likely going to win the American League Cy Young Award. This guy has just been phenomenal pitching behind Verlander since coming over from the Pirates. Not that he was bad there because he was solid there. He just didn't get a whole lot of support. But they gave the money to Verlander. And, uh, you know, Verlander, that, that's his knock is. He's a war horse. He's a veteran. But, you know, over the course of the year, I think he leads the league in, in starting pitching and giving up home runs. Which is so um, weird. Yeah. It, it is. The guy throws so hard. And when he misses, I guess he misses at the belt line. And Cole has given up some, too. Yeah, these 24. Have, these guys have been strikeout monsters. I, I mean, Cole with 10, uh, you know, the other night. uh and they bring in, as you mentioned, this trade. What's interesting uh, about this trade is um, 
you know, not re-signing Keuchel, letting him go. I think uh, Granke comes in and is their Keuchel-type guy. Sure. You know, it's not a lefty, of course, but he's not going to mow you down like Colin Verlander. Mm-hmm. He's a junk guy, change up. He's going to make you chase some stuff. He, he's low. He's not flashy. He's not going to throw 100 miles per hour. But you mentioned the name, you know, Wade Miley has been very, very good. You know what? Aaron Sanchez, despite that, you know, four and 13 record now, uh, Sanchez, what, a couple of years ago, led the league in ERA. Uh, was Very capable. You know, and he's a part of a combined no-hitter the other night. Not, you know, you we're not playing Oakland or, or anybody like that. Still, that's hard enough to do. If that guy can get back on um, any type of, of what he's capable of over the last couple of years, um, he can be that five, six-inning guy because – you know, Wade Miley, do you give him the ball in, 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 in a four in, in a four game that, that you need a guy? You know, you, Verlander's not going to go any less than four days. Um, you know, is that a guy you give the ball to? Does Sanchez give the ball to? Um, they've been looking for a third starter. Um, no one thought it would be him. You know, there, there were you know, all kind of uh, rumors, uh, you know, going around uh, with other pitchers in the league, but no one – thought this and the time is now for the Astros because yeah. that that payroll next year is huge and uh, they're going to lose Garrett Cole uh, you've got Altuve back you've got Springer back but you got a couple of guys that you're not going to be able to uh to resign and their minor league which has been just absolutely nuts because that's where all these guys come from is pretty much depleted now you still have Kyle Tucker you still have Force Whitley if he gets over arm problems but other than that there's no big studs so the time is this year to win it this year, get there, and uh, possibly try it again next year. But the time is now for the Astros, and they went for it. I know, and you're, you're like I'm even trying to find weaknesses. I guess, <laughs> I guess, like when you look at the bullpen, I mean they've been really good. Osuna and Presley and Harris, and then depending on what happens and how they set things up to start, you know, you could have a guy like Sanchez or Miley in the bullpen. Even so, like as a fan, when you're watching the games, what is your Biggest concern or or why if the Astros don't make it to a World Series or they don't win a World Series, why do you think that is? Oh, we're going to blame it on A.J. Hinch, of course, the manager. <laughs> yeah, he, right. he drives fans crazy. The Astros, you, you talk about Moneyball, the Astros organization, these guys give certain players certain days off. Um, he'll bring in a, a relief pitcher who hasn't pitched in eight days because he's good against this guy because he wears this. And then they, <laughs> that's the only problem that I've seen. AJ Hinch, you know, they won a World Series in 17, so it must have worked, right? And they have the best record in baseball now, so something must be working. But he has been known to put guys in, especially bullpen guys, at certain times. When they haven't pitched well or they haven't pitched in a certain amount of days and these guys get blown up. So that's that would be my concern was a Verlander or Cole gives you a, a, a two nothing lead going into the seventh. And, you know, Harris, who's been pitching good, Davinsky. Eh, but one of these guys comes in and gets smoked, you know, and gives up a, a two run jack or three runs. You're down to six at bats. You know, so you throw away a good six, seven innings from your starter because your bullpen. But it it is nice to see their bullpen starting to, you know, starting to get better because their ERA was jacked up for a while. I mean, they had some bad bullpen outings. They went with a couple of pitchers. You know, every five days they would go with this. They'd start a bullpen guy for one inning, then another bullpen guy would go for four innings, and that kind of elevated their ERA. But 
My concern would be that A.J. Hinch and, and picking these spots and getting the certain relief pitchers in certain situations because uh, there is some talent, but it seems like some of them will go four or five days without pitching, and they come in and they do give up uh, some runs. Well, I'm hoping we get another uh, Astros-Dodgers rematch from a, from a few Absolutely. years ago. That was a lot of fun. We had a good that series there. The yeah. Astros took it in, in seven, and uh, and that would be a blast because both of these teams are playing really good baseball right now. Let's uh, Let's move on over. And talk a little, little more wrestling. And before we get into the the SummerSlam pay per view uh, this weekend, I guess it's like a live event now. I don't even know it with its pay per views anymore with the with the network. But there is a new major wrestling company out there. We were talking about some of the independent organizations and independent wrestling prior to that. But the new company out there, All Elite Wrestling, Chad. This company has legitimate money, legitimate backing. They have the Correct stars they have the People behind the scenes to help With the company and from The first few shows that I've seen and Everything that I I, you know see The way they promote themselves I think all Elite wrestling AEW is In really good shape uh, you know just A couple months out from their TV debut On TNT yeah They start up they'll be on Wednesday nights I Think uh, first or second week of October uh, Two hours Uh, As we know now they're going to be live Every week Uh, they're selling a lot of tickets. There's certainly a lot of buzz. Here's what's going to be interesting with AEW. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, if they care so much. Of course, they don't want their ratings to bomb. Yeah, you, you don't want that because th- that really takes a lot of your wind out of your sails. Sure. So I don't know what their their benchmark is and their goal. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've read a couple. You know, they'd be happy at eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand. I don't know. They're going to have good wrestling matches. They're going to have great wrestling matches because their roster is filled with good and great wrestlers. My only concern with AEW is can they build television stars to bring in that mainstream fan who watches WWE a couple of times a month? You know, yeah, we love a good match, but do those mainstream fans remember those good matches, or do they remember that Roman? Or do, remember names like Roman Reigns, Randy sure. Orton. You know, the WWE has been so great as building these stars, and yeah, they may not have the best matches, but do you see those little kids wearing John Moxley T-shirts? You know, that's a great point. Jimmy you Havoc, know, you know, yes, or Darby you know, Allen, because there's a lot. There's a couple of the the top tier stars. You know, you, you have your Chris Jericho. And sure. and then Moxley, who people know as Dean Ambrose from WWE, and even a Kenny Omega, who's been you know a, a big star over the last couple of years. But it's that next level, and those are the the ones you're talking about. You know, the tag yes. teams, the Hangman Page. Can he get over as a legitimate main eventer? You know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, some of these indie stars that are big on the independent scenes. You know, a lot of the wrestlers that we're talking about that are kind of in that Joey Ryan world. Can sure. can they take that next step from being the big fish in the little pond to being a big fish in a big pond? And that's you know that's going to be is it's how AEW develops because their big show coming up all out. This is the the sequel to All In. Really, the way this company all started was kind of on a dare, Chad. Right? Sure. I think it was yeah. uh yeah. it was Dave Meltzer who uh, the, the 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 best or the most respected and, and known wrestling reporter. Who basically said 
No company other than the WWE Could draw a show of 10,000 fans And a couple of these guys said I beg to differ I think we could <laughs> You know it was uh, it was Cody Rhodes And the Young Bucks and they said you know what I think we could And they they went for it last year They they drew the 10,000 and all in And now they have their Second all out it's actually Like the third or fourth show now that AEW has had but on paper You know the show looks Pretty good just like running through Joey Janela Jimmy Havoc Darby Allen they're going to be in a Triple threat uh, they are going to have a tag Team tournament and so in the first round of the tag Team tournament it'll be the best friends versus the Dark order and and I think we have to just talk about Cody a little Bit he's lined up to face Sean Spears Who was Ty Dillinger in WWE the perfect 10 and Sean Spears will have Tully Blanchard in his corner But Cody is one Who I think when he was in the WWE Always knew and thought Cody was good And I thought he was uh, it was Felt like he was underutilized It felt like they didn't quite give him An opportunity to kind of take the ball and run with it And I've been Just really impressed with the work that Cody Has done marketing himself Promoting himself, improving his in-ring Work, and he Like, I think better than Than maybe anyone else Out there, um, he can tell A story in the ring, just like his dad did and and that's what makes you know wrestling for me. That's what makes me love wrestling. As we said, we can watch a good match anytime. But is this going to be a good match with some emotion behind it? And Cody has done just an amazing job, and he is going to be one of the faces of this company. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he that he has done so much. Uh, it was a blessing for him to part ways with WWE, and it, and it happens. And and some need that. You know, some need new change of scenery to, you know, find the redefine themselves and go off, go to go to Japan, uh, go, you know, tr- travel the world, you know, get that fire back. And and what I've seen from him has just been nothing short of spectacular. You know, when he was in Ring of Honor, you know, when he had the ring, I mean, that that story, that gimmick, you know, making, you know, his opponents kiss the ring. It was just so good. And, and, and Brandy. His, yes. his wife, she does a great job. She does a, she's improved she her in ring. She's like a great heel and part of it, the shtick with him. You know, she really lays it on well on social media, and <laughs> she like, does. She she's does. great, like, just great looking. But she just like make make sure you know it. You know, it's <laughs> sure, just, just sure. it's, she's great, and they have a it's like a really good package all together. And the dog Pharaoh is around with them oh, sometimes. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. it's they they just they seem like they get it, and they they've done very well with this company so far, and. Um, I'll, we'll be rooting for him and, and hoping things go oh, yeah. great because it's maybe maybe it'll be if if they can get going. Everybody mentions you know the Monday Night Wars and maybe it'll be like the years when WCW was pushing WWE and that's when both of the products were at their best and that's when wrestling was was huge you know in in the middle to late nineties and with the with some main event matches at, at All Out like John Moxley versus Omega and Jericho versus Hangman Page. Hopefully this show will. Give them a little momentum for I believe October 2nd on uh, on TNT But you know Young Bucks um, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus And Dustin Rhodes haven't uh, Had a, a match carded yet I'm, I'm assuming they'll probably be in there in there Somewhere but uh, that'll be August 31st all out uh, Maybe I'll bring you back uh, either before sure. or after For a preview for, uh, for when once we know the full card Because I think we know Most of the card for WWE SummerSlam which is going to be this Sunday and what's really crazy, Chad, looking at this card on paper, they have 10 matches down right now on paper, and they're all singles matches. 
That's interesting, you, isn't it? You never see that in W. I mean, no. you see so many triple threats and fatal four ways and matches where they try to get everybody on the card, especially on a big show like this. You know, a we an extra battle royal. So I'd imagine there's probably going to be two or three more matches added on the kickoff shows, and it seems like there's a few more to add. But let's go through the ones that they actually have listed as official matches for SummerSlam. The the first one. We don't have to spend too much time on uh, But this would have been an unbelievable indie match a few years ago Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight title With 205 Live I wish they would just change the name of it to Not Live And they could, you know, they could do a better job of Maybe filming it with NXT or at Full Sail Because I think there's such good work in this Cruiserweight division And it doesn't get, I think, the recognition that it deserves I mean, if you put Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan in like a, an Evolve show or the main event of like PWG, you know, or any yeah. any indie place or you know even NXT, the 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 crowds will go wild for that match. But when you have them sometimes before SmackDown or after SmackDown, and the crowds are only half full, I, I just feel like sometimes these guys don't get their uh, their due credit. No, and they've if you go back and look over the last several big pay per views or you know whatever you want to call them now, as you said. The cruiserweights have basically stolen the show. I mean, they're usually uh, not always on the kickoff. I think maybe a majority of them have been, but they've definitely been the curtain jerker. They've been first, but those matches have been solid. And Drew Gulak has become a so over uh, with the WWE Universe. Uh, I'm looking forward to that match. It's going to be solid. You know, they're going to bring their best. Yeah, th- this will be hard hitting. If they just get these guys like 10 minutes, they're going to they're going to go at it. Like Oni Lorcan is unbelievable. Oh yeah, uppercuts and strikes, and he is he is very very tough. the The second match on the list, we just actually had it added to the card, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the last time we saw Goldberg in a WWE ring <laughs> it was not very good when it was over no. in that Saudi Arabia show and we 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 do have to give him a little bit of a of a mulligan because he got concussed really early on sure. in that match and so it was him versus the undertaker it was sloppy they were missing um moves and it just neither guy looked very happy and i think both of them wanted to make sure that that was not the the last thing anybody saw of them in a WWE ring so now we're going to see Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler and um, you know, do is this going to be just a squash? Is it going to be maybe five minutes? How do you think this match will unfold? I hope not, because I love Dolph Ziggler. I love him as a heel. Uh, I've never seen a stand up, so I can't judge that. You know, uh, I know he's you know putting a lot of time and effort into the stand up uh, comedy routine, but. You know, I, I think Dolph has done a good job with the storyline. Yeah. I think he's built it up. I think he's got people to hate him again, and he's and he's made Goldberg uh, a bigger legend than what he's already looked at. I think people are going to forget about that Undertaker match. And, of course, one thing you know about, about Dolph, that guy, he can sell moves. So oh. just, just – I cannot wait until – you know Goldberg and that spear and see what Dolph ha- has – This is the perfect you know, opponent for him. Yeah. I feel this like this is the, the perfect – yeah. Yeah. And, oh yeah. So Ziggler, yeah, Ziggler will do a good job. He did uh, a good job the last couple of weeks with uh, when he came out doing the Goldberg entrance on SmackDown, sure. and and so this this will be a good um, a good showing, I think, for Goldberg. The third matchup is, is going to be a legend versus a, a future legend. I did kind of like the back and forth I saw with Charlotte and Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus, who was so good in the Attitude Era, and you know we have to give her credit because she was totally. A sex symbol when she started 
She was Absolutely. not a wrestler. She was just a really hot girl who was the eye candy, who was, you know, in as a manager and was in storyline angles with Vince McMahon. And she trained, she worked so hard, she improved, and she became a legitimate in-ring competitor. Her and Lita had some battles. They had some really, really good back and forth. And I'm I'm expecting a lot out of this Trish versus Charlotte match. Yeah. Um, I don't know which way they're going to go. I don't think there's a wrong way to go. Of course, uh, SummerSlam's what is in Toronto, Canada this year, so uh, up uh, where Trish is from. Um, Charlotte is so darn good. She's so good. It, it doesn't matter. She doesn't need yeah. the belt. So no. that's why that that the, the Raw Women's or SmackDown Women's Championship, it does not matter. What, it, I wish they could have built this a little longer. I agree. It feels like they kind of rushed it a little bit like it's... two weeks ago. Uh, you know, but yeah, it's still to be a good match. But I'd love to see these two storylined more to build this matchup because I think it deserves it. That's why. The match that could be the best work rate match of the night And if this match gets about 15 minutes It it could really, really steal the show And that is AJ Styles versus Ricochet If you're making a list of the best workers In all of wrestling, in all of the world These two are on probably your top 5, top 10 lists This is going to be for the US title uh, AJ versus Ricochet And now with the turn with AJ back with the club He's with the OC, not not my my friends from the OC out here, uh, the show. <laughs> but I love this this act because AJ was kind of after his good run, he's kind of floundering a little bit. He sure. needed a, he just needed a some kind of a character change, some kind of a tweak, and I, and it's it's been very good so far. It's love. I, I love to see that he's back with the V Club uh, and the OC Club. Um, you know, those guys decided to stick with, uh, cause I love Anderson and Gallows. I've been a big fan of theirs for a long, long time and seeing them stick around and to put them with AJ made sense. As you said, AJ was kind of flopping around there. Didn't have a direction. Did he need a title? Did he need the U S title? Did you put him in the IC storyline? But this match is another one. I don't think you need the title in this match. It doesn't need it, but you talk about some spots, these two guys, Hopefully they get the the time that they need on this card. Uh, hopefully we don't get four or five extra matches added. So this one needs a good solid 10 to 15 because it's definitely going to get some oohs and ahs. One, uh, another character change as of late has been Bray Wyatt as the Fiend. And I've been a really big fan of the Firefly Funhouse segments. Oh, yeah. I just I like the fact that it's, that it's a little different. And they've they've stayed consistent with it. Sometimes WWE will throw something out there, and then the next week just kind of forget that they even did it and not <laughs> not address it. And they've been consistent with things, which I really like. And I'm going to be really interested to see what this character is like in the ring now when he wrestles, because all the the pre-produced segments and all the behind-the-scenes stuff has been excellent. Now when Will his style? Will he have a different move set? What will this be like when the fiend Bray Wyatt faces Finn Balor this weekend? Very interesting take. Uh, yeah, that's uh, we, we've seen him. Uh, you know, seen the lights go out. Seen him attack. You know, Finn Balor several times this past Monday night. You know, I think he attacked Kurt Angle. Um, so yeah, I'd I'd like to see some some different things with Bray Wyatt. Um, some move set. You know, I, of course, you know. Uh, the sister Abigail, and you know, when he, he gets in the spider stance, you know, those are, as Michael Cole says, vintage Bray Wyatt. But with, with this new dark character, um, I think we're going to see some new stuff. Um, 
you know, him and him and Finn should be pretty good. You know, yeah. Finn's one of the best in the world. So uh, this match shouldn't get lost. It should be good. Yeah, I, I think that I've heard something about Finn having some injuries and that he might be taking a little time off after this. So I would imagine, especially with the Fiend and Bray Wyatt being a new character, we'll probably get Bray oh, to get the victory here and then maybe Finn come back when his injuries are healed up in a month or two and maybe we could get that demon versus the Fiend at some point sure. later on in the year. That'd be great. Uh, I've been a big fan of the the Kevin Owens face turn, and Kevin Owens is a real good kind of anti-authority character. He was he played like a similar role when he was in Ring of Honor, and he's a good heel. But I think he's he's maybe even better as this like face that the, the good guy that the the people love love to to cheer for. But he's he's not your typical good guy. So we're gonna see Kevin Owens versus Shane O'Mac. If KO loses, he quits. I'll tell you, uh, you know, Shane came back and he was one of those uh, characters when he was gone. I knew when he'd come back, the people would give him a huge pop and he was embraced. And I didn't ever know after a while if Shane was going to be able to turn back and be heel. But he's done a really good job laying this heel shtick in. And if anything, we're going to get some big, big spots in this match. Yeah, and I kind of thought, you know, I was like, you know, I I, I thought the Shane character was 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 killed off with him and the Miz and that storyline. And then, you know, they ended their feud and then, you know, Shane's with, with Drew McIntyre for, for a little while, but I, WWE can never go wrong with someone that's anti McMahon. Sure. It's worked out for so many other people. Stone Cold, Steve Austin, you know, Shawn Michaels did it. He did it for a run. They all have, um, I, I think Kevin Owens, this has been an amazing turn for him. I know he battled injuries. He came back. He looks great. He lost weight. I think the fans are behind him. He's that jerk of an attitude. I'm anti-McMahon. Hey, I was an indie type guy. You know, woe is me, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you're going to get some interesting spots here because, you know, love or hate Shane, uh, he, he's going to bring it. Uh, and he may, ha- may not have the great skill set as some of these other guys who are on this card or not on this card, but that guy is going to take some spots that nobody else on that roster would. And I think he and KO, I think this will be great. Hopefully it goes as planned, um, but you never know. There could be some kind of other underlying storyline here that Kevin Owens goes away. But I think with him just coming back, I think Shane McMahon, I think his, it's his turn to go away for a while. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Kevin Owens go, goes over here. We have uh, our first of the two women's championship matches with Bailey versus Ember Moon. It's kind of been another one that the, I guess the main knock that I would have on on this SummerSlam is there's not been a ton of build for most of these matches. There's only a few that have maybe gone longer than a few weeks of, of setting them up. And Bailey Ember Moon was one of them. I like Ember. I think she's good in the ring. Uh, Bailey almost feels like she's kind of getting a little heelish here. Uh, what do you expect out of this match? I, I don't expect a whole lot. I don't think it's yeah. going to be given a ton of time. Um, you know, a, as you said, uh, it's another storyline that kind of felt rushed. I think Bailey basically picked her. They yeah. tagged or something at one, you know, it, one time during Raw or SmackDown or whatever it was. And okay, it's Ember Moon. So there hasn't been much buildup. They're both good at what they do. There's just not that, you know, did Bailey need the title? You know, yeah. I don't know. It's a couple of these women that's that's on this roster. You know, do they need the title? I don't know. But this one's definitely I, I'm do not have a lot of interest in. Yeah, this is probably one of the 
probably going to be one of the weaker matches on the show, just as far as the build and and uh, and yeah. uh, overall interest. The the next match though is one that I've when it's funny as wrestling fans we don't demand a lot in as far as in the storytelling. It just it's so easy to to appease us with just like one line or just a little bit of an explanation <laughs> sometimes to just say this is why. And it's nice because in this Kofi versus Randy Orton feud, there's been all these rumors for years about how, you know, uh Randy Orton was kind of holding Kofi back and when Kofi was about to get his chance, Randy Orton was one of the reasons why he didn't get the chance because he, you know, he he badmouthed him back uh, backstage and he said he wasn't ready to go. And I love when WWE will take a little bit of of what we might think was reality and add it into a storyline. And that's been it, it didn't take much. This is an, another feud that hasn't been built up for a long time, but in just doing the one week with Randy Orton telling his side of the story and the next week with Kofi telling his side of the story, I feel like this has been built pretty darn well in just a short time. I love it. I, I, I'm a big Randy Orton fan. Um, he's one of those guys that could, could main event. Um, you know, the RKO is just, is an iconic. Did you see his wife? Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, that, that was, was yeah, great. That, yeah, that, that was amazing. <laughs> I, I watched it numerous times. Um, I, I think it's. I, I think the buildup has been good enough. I don't think it, it needed to be any longer. Um, you know, I may turn a little hillish here. I'm not the biggest New Day guy. I never have been. I know they sell a lot of T-shirts. Uh, I, hey, I've caught the pancakes at WWE live events. You know, um, I just haven't been into. I, I'm more of a Big E fan, I think, uh, sure. of the three. Um, I don't see Kofi losing the title here. I don't. I do see a solid match. I don't think, you know, Kofi can go long. I don't know if Orton wants to go long. I don't think we'll have shenanigans here. I don't see Randy Orton winning. I would love to see the belt on Randy Orton, but, you know, Kofi's still hot, and uh, you can see it at live events and every Tuesday night when he comes out to the arena. These people, you know, the WWE love merchandise sales. I've been told one time the reason why Raw and SmackDown is five hours a week is to sell merchandise. Well, uh, the New Day still sells a lot of merchandise, so uh, I see Kofi probably retaining here. Yeah, you know, I think I'm one of the people that that like takes Randy Orton for granted because you kind of forget oh, yeah. how you can't you forget how yeah. good he is until oh, yeah. he's put into a a spot like this until he's put into like a really good storyline and even. You know, before the the Randy Orton and the Wyatt family and the Bray Wyatt stuff got a little too goofy, it was very good to sure. start. And and I think when you can give Randy some reality and let him play that heel and let him just speak his mind and tell you what what went on, I mean, he he is so so talented. This is going to be a fun match, and I'm I'm the most interested in Randy Orton that I've been in a while. It just just by the way that they've uh, they've set this match up, the two big matches. Well, okay, before we get into the the final two. What do you think we're going to see with Roman Reigns? Because Roman Reigns does not have a match carded. There's the who done it going on with who tried to, you know, drop uh, the forklift and all the equipment on Roman and then who tried to hit him with the car. We know it's not Samoa Joe, maybe it, it is, I, you know, maybe he's got something to do with it, but the way that they're they're pointing and everything that I was hearing was it was going to be something with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan as, you know, Buddy Murphy mentioned Rowan so what do you what are your kind of thoughts on this whole segment and this whole angle? Yeah, I, I like the angle. I, I it's something different. We're not seeing Roman Reigns closing Raw or SmackDown. Of course, this wild card rule. I love uh, it. I agree. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we're not seeing the show end with Roman Reigns beating someone else or Superman punching else. So it's made him look like in the WWE, you got to give them credit for how they do this. You know, they know Roman Reigns gets booze. They know he's got a lot of fans and he sells a lot of T-shirts, you know, and he's he's on the cover of the new WWE video game with Becky Lynch. But you know, I love the fact now that they're building this up and I would love for them to see maybe this is the Usos, you All know, right. uh, you know, they haven't been on TV for the, maybe the last week or two. Maybe it's them. We saw Daniel Bryan and Rowan in the ring. So, you know, maybe they're going to throw us into a family, family thing. That would be, oh, this... you know, that that's a Paul Heyman type storyline there if we get that. But I would like to see somebody that we're not expecting. Like, hey, man, you know, you've, you've, you know, we've been in your shadows for this or that. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to have a match or not. And it would really seem odd because this is one of their biggest events of the year. Royal Rumble. Uh, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. So you would think he would have to have a match. So maybe it's an impromptu type deal, but maybe he gets attacked, something else happens. But I do love the storyline. I do love what's going on. And, and I hope it's someone uh, that we're not expecting. It's really crazy how like deep and talented this roster is because we've gone through eight matches and then now Roman Reigns, we mentioned. Roman Reigns and Rowan and Daniel Bryan are not on this card. The New Day and the OC, both tag champions are not on the card. Nakamura, the IC champ, he's not on the card. He's had some interaction recently with Ali. There could be, I'm expecting a New Day versus the OC tag match, probably because sure. they, they teased that the other night and they didn't they didn't get to it. Um, we'll probably see like Nakamura in, on the kickoff show with, with something with the IC title. We don't have a women's tag match scheduled. Alexa and Nikki, they just won the women's tags. That could be another one on. We. Andrade and Ray have had uh, some really fun matches. I wouldn't be shocked to see something with Andrade and Ray. Elias and Chad Gable just had an interaction backstage the other day, which was really weird. It was yeah. like they were setting something up before, right before SummerSlam. You know, it was like a, almost the wrong week to have to have that interaction. But this is a really deep, deep roster. And and now we'll get to the uh, the big the big two matches. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship match will be Becky Lynch versus Natalia in a submission match. And I think that you know, Natty's recent aggressive streak, I wasn't a big fan of her promo. I loved Becky's promo uh, sure. over uh, most recently. But I think this is going to be good for the match because it makes her a little bit more aggressive. It gives her that submission edge. And these two can work. This this could be a really good match with these ladies. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest fan of Natty. I never have been, not never will. But you know, it seems like when she has to have be that heel, in a, in a storyline, in a feud, it seems like it's forced, you know, she's the I crazy agree. cat lady. Very actory, yeah. you know, yeah. she has to you know, act is when I, when I get concerned. I just, yeah. just don't like it. I don't like her face, but what she does in the ring is nothing short of spectacular. She is very, very good. She has the DNA to do it. it you know, she's that the championship has always eluded her, right? Um, Becky Lynch is the man she's coming off SummerSlam. Uh, didn't really like the storyline. I didn't mind it. I didn't like it way it kind of felt forced with her and Seth, yeah. you know, teaming up. Yeah, I love Lacey Evans, by the way. I, I, I wish she was on this card, but that's another, another story for another day. But, you know, I don't see Becky losing here, but this is the title that's eluded Natty. They're in Canada. Yeah. Do we get a screw job? Do we get a changing of the guard? Some people have said they're kind of tired of Becky. Does she need the belt? One of those type deals. So, I really wouldn't mind it if Natty won. If Especially for a few a good, days. Yeah, even, yes. even if you're going to give her a run or maybe even 
she wins it for a couple days and she loses it back next week, and you give her the run when she's in Toronto. You know when they're sure. in Toronto. But I'm I'm with you. I Becky got a little flat, and I don't know if it was. It, it was really weird because Becky and Seth, who we're going to talk about next, they were so uh, organically they they got so over and they were hot. Stars organically based on Their own work and then Sometimes the WWE when they get Behind you and they start pushing you in a Different direction it cools You down and I think that Boyfriend girlfriend storyline with both Becky and Seth I don't Think it did good for either one of them I think it cooled cooled the both of them off Yes yeah it did and Regardless if they're together or not You know I don't think fans Wanted to see them together on TV and in the ring, you know, no. I just, you know, I, I love Lacey Evans and Hey, I'm a, I've turned into a, I'm a Baron Corbin guy. I Me love, too. Yeah. I, I love that guy. I think what he is, what they've done with him, you know, with the look, the corporate guy, he's been great heel, you know, so I understand what they did with him and Lacey Evans versus Seth and Becky, but it, it didn't work for me. I don't think it worked for WWE. He cooled both of them off. Now look, Becky can go, to a signing in, you know, in San Antonio, which she did, you know, two months ago, and there's 5,000 people that show up and she's there for six hours. But, you know, it, it's just the man, I, I didn't think she needed that. I really didn't. No. And I think it cooled her off. So maybe it's time to take it away from her. And I'm not saying take her off TV. You said it. Maybe I know they're not going to do intergender. We know that. But, you know, go another direction with her. I don't know who, maybe with somebody new. Um, but if you're going to give Nat, Natty, if she's not going to win it now, I don't know when she's, she's going to be able to win it. Yeah. She may never. Yeah. 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 So uh, we'll we'll get to the main event now. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about Seth Rollins. I loved the, the two weeks ago on Raw, we saw a beatdown where Brock beat him down. He took him backstage. He got him off of the stretcher. And it looked legitimate. It looked real. I was feeling it for Seth, and the only thing I said when I watched this is, please don't let him be back on TV next week. Please let him be off TV for a week, kind of selling this injury. The problem is, is it was the week before SummerSlam, so I think they felt the need to bring him back on TV, and I did not love the way he was... He, I think he's another one when, when he's... Um, when he, when you can feel like he's authentic, he's great. Sure. But when you can feel like he's trying to act a little bit, or when he's, you know, remembering lines from a promo, that's when he's not quite at his best. And this felt like a little too actory. I wasn't a big fan of his. Is this all worth it? And then he guarantees sure. the win. I think this is going to be a really good match. And when Seth is going in the ring, he is as good as anyone. I just didn't love this. Mainly, I just didn't love the last week. This last week's Monday Night Raw buildup. What do you think about this feud? Yeah, you know, I I, I love Brock coming back, winning the title. Uh, that was great. I know they need that big name. He's going to get you on ESPN. He's he's going to grab you the headlines. And you know, Seth's a, it's a top draw. You know, he, he's on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. He's working house shows, um, and, and he's in the main event. I'm with you. I, I did not like the way they did this. I don't mind him getting beat down. Then you see that kind of Becky Lynch is in the background a little yeah. bit when they're carrying him out of the arena. And I'm like, and I don't, I don't know if it's for? just me or, and I'm an old school person, but like every time that happens, I'm wondering where's Roman. Sure. You know, sure. like what, where's his buddy Roman or where's right. Becky to come help him. And I, I don't know if, if they're purposely setting something up, but you're, you're wondering because, you know, Hulk Hogan would have come out and helped the macho man. Back in the day, you know, and, sure, and that's what sure. we're thinking with these good, good, good guys. So, 
Do you, what do you think? Is Rollins going to win this, or is Brock going to continue with the championship until the uh, the SmackDown era moves over to Fox? Well, I, I I don't know if Brock needs the title. I don't know, yeah. but does Brock want the title? And you know, everything you hear and see is you know Vince loves the guy. Um, he's been loyal to you. Um, he's not going to work every week. He's not going to show up every week on SmackDown, um, especially with it being a live event on a Friday night. I just don't see that happening. But you know, if Seth loses here, what do you? You look at it, what do you do with Seth? Does he go away for a little while? He's on Raw. You know, if he wins the title, okay, well, Seth has, has beat Brock Lesnar. Brock looks weak. I think Brock keeps it. I think Seth goes away for a little while. You know, I, I just don't see it, it doing any good with Seth Rollins being the champion. Because if Brock beats him, Seth and Brock has to be over. It has to it be has over. It has to be. I don't know what their direction is for WrestleMania, if they want Roman and Brock, if they want Seth and, and Roman, but this has to be it. it I agree. People are tired of it. Either it, way, it, it's it's over. It's Yeah, it's just been too much because whether or not it's been one-on-one, we've had different versions of Rollins and Lesnar for, for a few years now. You know, we had Rollins sure. and Lesnar with Roman. We had Rollins and Lesnar with Cena in another match, which was very good, but we've, we've seen this uh, a bit, and, I, and I'm with you, so... I'm assuming that if if Rollins wins, then we start maybe turning to the Seth versus Roman and maybe like a mega powers explode because that could be a good WrestleMania main event. And then yes. and then if that's the case, do you turn one of them and now does Seth become the heel again? Because maybe maybe the fans are, are kind of okay. It seemed like a few different times that when the fans had a choice between Roman and, and Seth recently, they've kind of go, gone back to Roman. You know? uh, yeah, and, and I think Seth plays that heel part perfect. Yes. I think he's a great heel. He doesn't need anybody, and that would be a way to go to build that up to WrestleMania because I don't think Brock needs the belt. I no. really don't. I don't think the Spocks want him to have the belt. I, you know, who you, know, you hear kind of stories. They want this. They want that. But either way, this has to be the end of this. Yes. And and we are coming close to the end of our podcast. Because I asked you for 30 minutes and you gave me an hour. Because you're a man. <laughs> and we could sit here and talk for probably five hours about every different topic. But I will uh, I will let you go and, uh, sure. and have the rest of your day. But before we go, give me uh, and everyone out there the best way to find you and where we can get in touch with you if we ever need. Uh, at... The Chad Cooper on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And uh, make sure you check out Flagged Sports, F-L-A-G-G-E-D, sports.com. They just signed Nick Aldis, the NWA world champion. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, you know, he's providing a lot of uh, written and video content. Um, so that's, that's, that's a project that's just now getting off the ground. Um, but, yeah, um, and, and before I let you go, thank you again, Gino. And my, I, I do have a pick, NFL, week one. Okay, let's get it. You know? Kansas City at Jacksonville. I love a good home dog. You know, everyone and their mama is on Kansas City. The line now is up up minus four. Kansas City at Jacksonville, as as who I used to listen to on the radio when I when I drive around uh, as a high schooler and college guy, listening to Arnie Spaniard oh. sports talk. I don't want the points. I don't need the points. But you but know what? I'm going to take the points. I'm going to go Jacksonville <laughs> plus four. That's my lock, Gino. It's been fun. It's been great. Thanks for having me on, man. Keep up the great work.
Awesome, we heard it from Cooper You will not find many other people That can talk about independent wrestling WWE wrestling, all elite wrestling Football, uh, baseball And give you a football pick Chad, my friend It's been too long, so we're going to have to uh, Make this more of a, uh, a regular thing where we, uh, where we link up Thank you so much, buddy Sounds good, man, thank you Talk to you soon A big thank you to Chad Cooper Good friend of mine I just love Having a guest on where I can talk about so many different subjects And Chad is awesome I mean, we could literally I said Chad, but I, but I asked him last week Maybe maybe you can squeeze like 30 minutes out You know, we could talk a little wrestling A little Astros, a little, uh, little Texans And then it, it expanded into Joey Ryan We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the title match network We had to talk about Hurricane Pro And that big match that's gone viral and then SummerSlam preview, obviously. So uh, lots of fun with Chad. And he even gives you an NFL pick at the end for week one. Make sure to follow Chad on Twitter at the Chad Cooper. Just uh, an awesome guy. Really, really nice guy. And as you could tell, he knows his stuff. Let's close things out, folks. Oh, this was the most excited I've been for a show. In a while I mean I was pumped for Game of Thrones I was excited when Stranger Things returned I was you know Sad but really interested in Orange is the New Black closing But My top Two, three all time favorite show Beverly Hills 90210 And we get a return Awesome. Okay, so it opens and we get David Silver and Donna. They're married. And Brandon Walsh and Kelly, they own the Peach Pit. They're together. Brandon's waiting tables and joking around. He's the new version of Nat. And then Steve and, and Andrea, they come in and they they turn in the egg. Remember when years back when they had to, to go to that liquor store and give him an egg as a secret entrance to a secret club? They're having fun and then, whoop, just a dream. It was just a dream of Tories. Because the way that this show is, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different, but it actually works. It works. They're... Not playing the actors that they played in in the show Beverly Hills 90210. They are playing themselves. Tori Tori Spelling is playing Tori Spelling on her way to the Beverly Hills 90210 30th reunion. Her and Jenny Garth are very good friends. and They're on a plane in coach traveling over to the 30-year reunion. Tori's reality show that she has with her family just got canceled. So now she's broke. We then see Brian Austin Green He's married to a huge star Named Shay Who's a big singer But he's a stay home dad Takes care of the kids all the time Ian Ziering He's married to a fitness model Together they have books and a brand called Hollywood Wed Workout Books And he's always promoting and, and pushing the brand Loves his wife though you could tell And then Gabrielle She's now a grandma And the, her granddaughter is named after her we see Jason Priestley. He is directing a 
TV show He got into it with a star And he punched out an actor The guy says to him This this little This kid is All you'll ever be is Brandon Walsh And then Brandon Walsh punches his lights out We then see Jenny Garth, uh, Jenny Garth Whose husband just left her This is her third failed marriage now She's not looking forward to this reunion event But they're all going for the money It seems like And I think they they like the the bit of, of notoriety and popularity they have, but it's great how they just seem to resent and hate each other. They are, most of them do. Uh, Jenny and Tori go to check in for the event, and they don't get recognized. One of the guys says, oh, you're so much older than her. You look so much older than her. Uh, Tori, smelling, she's nervous about seeing Brian Austin Green because she hasn't seen him in 20 years. Remember, they were Donna and David. On the show, they were love interests She lost her virginity to him on the show And I just love that Throughout the episode, we get that music All the time, like, over and over Again, gets me pumped Every time, every time Um, Brian and And Tori are a little flirty They're reminiscing Uh, Tori helps him through a nervous moment Before they all go out on a panel, there's a, a panel where they're sitting and they're doing a Q and A with with fans and reporters. It and this is where we start to really see that everyone kind of has um, a, a way they're being portrayed, right? And it's mainly to do with partially who they are in real life and partially their former character for Beverly Hills 90210. It's it's funny. I think they did a really good job. I mean, it's super corny, but I, they they did a good job kind of going back and forth. Um on the question and answer panel, everyone's asking Brian about his wife Shay. He he never seen it seems like nobody ever really cares about him. He's genu- generally um just getting asked about his wife and asked about everyone else. Jenny she is obviously bitter. She still has some feelings for Jason Priestley, but she hates how everyone thinks of him as the good guy, as Mr. Right, does it right all the time. She even mentions uh you know something like he's not like his he in real life is not like his character. That was one of the questions and she points out that Jason is not like Brandon at all. And then Ian He's always mentioning his wife, his perfect marriage, and his brand. He pulls out his book when he's on the Q and A. It's a it's a perfect uh, perfect photo op. Book time. Get a little plug in there. So basically, everyone has their issues, right? Brian is getting overlooked all the time. He's not in the spotlight anymore. Gabby, she's old. She's responsible, but she's always got that I'm that old shtick that you get the, the they're making fun of her for being the old one and for always making sure that everyone's doing things right and not getting too out of hand. Jason is the good guy, Mr. Right, but now he apparently has loses his temper. Jenny has guy problems, as she did as Kelly. She does as Jenny in real life. Ian's pushing his brand and always Overly in love with the girl that maybe didn't reciprocate it, right? And that's the same thing now we find with his wife. And then Tori Spelling is broke and she's a mess. Everyone's bitter. They don't like Shannon Doherty. And then Shannon pops up and they're doing the QA in a live stream on Instagram. And everyone, all the fans love her. They give her a standing ovation. And all the rest of the crew are just rolling their eyes. They are not fans of Shannon. 
It's, fun. it's just funny the resentment and the bitterness and the hate they have towards each other. They're all getting ready to leave, but Brian Austin Green, who has his own plane because his wife is the big star, the plane won't be ready for a few hours, so they decide to get drunk before they leave. They're out by the pool. Jenny's flirting around with random guys in the pool. Gabrielle has a, a female fan who asked a question in the Q&A, and this fan is really crushing on Gabrielle. She's really much younger And she's telling her how much she was her crush And I loved Andrea And this and that And you can see Gabrielle's kind of liking the attention from a young woman Tori and Brian They're they're having a good uh, I guess They're reuniting There's a little chemistry between the two of them Tori is obviously still into Brian She keeps talking about it and thinking about it And nervous and... So Jenny Gets upset because the the guy she's flirting with At the pool calls her Kelly (laughs) So she Gets mad she comes inside And she sees Jason sitting at the bar And Jason invites her over They have a drink together And then uh, they get drunk They kind of have a nice moment And then they start to hook up (laughs) They go upstairs and they get it on She talks about How she's always hated him because how much He was loved he gets praised for the same things that people criticize her for doing. When he goes out with a bunch of women, everyone thinks it's cute. When she goes out with a bunch of guys, everyone uh, criticizes her. Tori is now just a drunk mess. We're getting flashbacks to the uh, senior prom where she was uh, falling all over the place. She finds a display case that has one of her old dresses in it. And she shatters the display. She picks up <laughs> she picks up an object and just crushes the display case. And she steals the dress and she puts it back on. And, and then they they all get ready to leave. She has this old prom dress on while Grandma Gabby is making out with that much younger female fan who kisses her right in the middle of the bar. They get the dress. Everybody. Piles onto Brian's plane and then they get out And then while they're on the plane They're talking Ian goes to the bathroom And a video call comes in on his phone It's accidentally picked up And it's his wife cheating on him So everybody sees And Ian comes out and he sees his wife's cheating on him And then Ian When they're all trying to just Kind of settle him down He starts ripping everyone Oh I'm going to take marital advice from you Marriage advice from you Screw you, you suck They start just ripping on each other Ian goes off on everyone Seems like the only one who doesn't really get nasty and dirty Is Brian Brian Austin Green Who seems to be the most put together And the most mature And maybe the only one who really kind of has his head A real good head on his shoulders (laughs) There's a commercial after And we see a preview for a Jason Priestley movie on Lifetime it's not part of the show It's just literally a commercial for a movie he's doing on Lifetime Good plug When their Plane is landing They notice that there's A bunch of, of people waiting for them They get arrested For stealing the dress Somebody had live stream When Tori busted That case open And stole the dress So they all get arrested for stealing Live streaming And Taking stolen goods across state lines Which is funny So then they're all They get their mug shots And the public All over You know Social media Talks about how the Beverly Hills 902 and cast Got arrested 
We see Brian and his wife Shay, and she loves the fact that her husband is a bad boy that got arrested. They seem like they have a really great relationship. Um, again, like of all of them, Brian seems the most stable. Ian, he's looking up the prenup. Is he hasn't told his wife yet that he he saw her cheating on him? He's gonna have to tell her soon. Gabby did not tell her husband about that kissing incident with the fan. She looked like she was going to, but she doesn't. And then Jason and who had just cheated on his wife with Jenny Garth, he is getting ready to tell his wife basically that they should get divorced or maybe they're not right for each other. And she tells him they're going to have a baby. And Brian Austin Green, he enjoys seeing his picture out there again and people talking about him. He likes the, the being back in the spotlight a little bit, so he calls up his agent. He wants to get back to work. We see a weird kid we don't know a whole lot about out in front of Brian Austin Green's house with his license kind of staring at him. So something to come. Tori Spelling is at home. She's broke. She's there with her family. Her kids are watching old episodes of 90210 and she's trying to figure out okay, what what can I sell to the network? She has had a run of reality shows and now the network has decided that they they can't really get anything more out of her that they've filmed and they've they've spun it from every angle. And so she has the idea for a reboot. She needs to pitch something to the network. She thinks it's a perfect time for the 90210 reboot. Jenny, she had an edible. She doesn't think so. But you could tell that all of them have some underlying issues with each other. Or maybe some issues for themselves that they never got over because of the show. So it seems like they all have something they need to work through. And that's kind of what Tori says. Maybe when we if we can come back together, it can help all of us. And you know, Tori needs the money. A couple of them need the money. There's just a quick mention of Luke Perry, who passed away really, really sad uh, earlier this year. Uh, there's a couple references where they mention that they're not all there, and then they, they do talk about uh, about Luke. Which is sad And I'm sure it'll be very hard for all of them Continuing on with this show throughout the year um, And all the publicity and everything Without Luke around Who was just was sad He was just kind of having like a, a renaissance in his career With uh, Riverdale And uh, a couple other um, uh, Movies that, uh, He had, had filmed scenes for And he was really getting back into things So really sad uh, Luke Perry uh, Gone way way too soon Never easy to move from a really sad topic, right? Just back into discussing Beverly Hills 90210. But I thought the I like the episode. I mean, I love this show. It's corny. It's kind of what I was hoping for. I didn't really want them to to stray away from the show and in playing themselves, but like the characters on the show, they don't. And I enjoy it. And I'm ready for. Uh, I'm ready for the reboot So that I guess starting next week we'll see Them pitching the show And them starting to put together the reboot Of 90210 Thought it was fun And we'll recap these episodes each and every week I'm going to start to find a couple other shows to recap too Maybe Succession I know The Affair will be coming back soon But the the weekly shows Are much better because It's 
it's us. It's easier for all of us to kind of stay together. We can stay on the same page. You know, we all know which episode we're watching. I love being able to binge a show, but it's really hard to like recap a full episode of ten, a full season of ten episodes, and put it out there for all of you to listen to because I think we're all listening on different times. So I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. I want it to be we're all watching these shows together. Let me know what did you think of Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero the reboot. Big thank you to Chad Cooper For that awesome interview Big thank you to the sponsor of this show Cindy Carava Make sure to get to CindyCarava.com For all of your real estate needs And if you can't do me a big favor Head on over to iTunes Leave me a nice 5 star rating and review A little comment Those go a long way in moving us up the charts And getting more people to see the show You can subscribe on YouTube You can subscribe on SoundCloud we are on Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spreaker, and all over the place. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said.